Hello and welcome to episode number 95 of The Heart of Teaching. I'm Nathan Rivers, and today's episode is entitled, Finding His Path. If you know anybody in the community that's making a difference, send us a DM on Instagram. We'll shout them out in an upcoming episode and explain their impact on the community. This week, we'd like to recognize the former teacher and football coach from Hansworth Secondary School in North Vancouver, the legendary Mr. Joe Bell. Thank you for your commitment to all those students you've ever taught and coached. Thank you for all that you do. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on Instagram. The link to do so is available in the episode description. The Heart of Teaching proudly supports Mom Stop the Harm. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to The Heart of Teaching. I'm Dave Ruzicki with my student producer and my great friend, Nathan Rivers. Thanks for being with us today. As always, both of us, we appreciate your loyalty and we appreciate your company. Now, in this episode, I've got an inspiring conversation with former CFL great and current president and CEO of the Pathfinders Youth Center Society, Mr. Orville Lee. Now, to give you some more context and some background, Orville was actually chosen first overall in the 1988 Canadian Football League College Draft, and he came out of Simon Fraser University out of Vancouver, and he was chosen by the Ottawa Rough Riders. Now, that year, he rushed for 1,075 yards and led the league in rushing, and at that time, there were only four Canadian running backs who had ever accomplished that feat. Now, again, in that year, he went on to win Rookie of the Year, and he was also a run-up for the top Canadian in the CFL. He went on to play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and eventually the Toronto Argonauts. And he retired in 1992, and that was after a series of injuries had finally taken their toll on him. Now today, he's no longer trying to find his path to the goal line, but rather he's helping young adults in our community who have faced challenges in their young lives find their path, their way to success, and ultimately a better life. Now, Orville and his wife, Ruth, they're doing incredible things for those young people in need. So today we talk football, but more than that, we talk about the importance of mentoring and the opportunity to help those marginalized in our society. And you don't have to be a football player or someone that watches football in order to get some great life lessons from this episode. It's for everyone. So please, as always, sit back, kick back, relax, and learn. Orville, welcome to the Heart of Teaching. Ah, so happy and blessed to be here. Well, it's great having you here. We've been talking prior to this probably about an hour, and I kept stopping you because there's so many great stories, and I said uh, I wanted to make sure that this was recorded in for uh, the people that are listening. Um, You did a TED Talk. Yes, sir. And I listened to that, and that that was very powerful. So I'm wondering if you could just give me some background about that talk and what you were what you were discussing, but it was based on your childhood and the lessons that you learned and things moving forward. So, again, as a, a young adult, as a child, what was uh, what was the impact and what were some of the things that happened? Absolutely. Now, again, I was blessed to, to have the opportunity to have that TED uh, TEDx platform to share, you know, um, a little bit, a little snippet of my life and the impact that key people mentors had on myself as a young impressionable child age of 10 uh, coming from Jamaica 
And, um, you know, fast forward, you know, we have an organization, Pathfinder Youth Center Society, that works with youth. And the basis, we like to say, my wife Ruth and I like to say, mentorship is the glue to what we do. So taking someone, whether it be somebody that's transient, uh, drug and trench, what have you, and being able to mentor them, being able to go down to the, to the level wherever they're at, meet them there, and build some sort of relationship, and then start moving, moving up, that's the key. Mentorship is the glue um, to what we do. And I don't know if people realize the, the power in mentorship um, and a lot of people, when they hear mentorship, they think, you know, it's daunting. Oh, you've got to do this, 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 and this. Mentorship is a simple, simple act, real act of, from the heart, wanting to uplift someone, um, whether it be through words, through actions, you know, those are some of the things that, uh, you know, we've, um, implemented in the organization that we now have Pathfinder Youth Center Society. Um, it's the key building a relationship, bonding with individuals. And like I said, it doesn't have to be daunting. It doesn't have to be every day you're doing this. Just basically using your life experiences and pouring into somebody else, maybe showing them uh, a few things, um, you know, encouraging them, you know, um, trying to make sure that they don't make mistakes that maybe you have made. And again, the basis is just that relationship, that bond with somebody. Um, and that's that was part of my journey. Uh, I look back at the key individuals in my life that that I met somehow, some way, um, and they're the ones that poured into me and gave me hope. Um, they're the ones that gave me, you know, different keys to accomplishing goals and dreams. And uh, sometimes, like I said, it was just, something that they said or something that they showed me that they did right um, and it wasn't daunting um, and till this day as I was we were discussing earlier I right. still have a mentor Prophet Abraham Jones um, and I don't think you can grow out of that there's always somebody else there that has some keys for you that has some nuggets or that has some wisdom that they can impart in you that can make you a better person so it's so important it's it's the key I know when I was listening to that, I mean, I was moved by what you said. I had no idea. I was just doing some research with regard to football, you know, because you were such a successful football player in, in the Canadian Football League. But when I started doing the research, I honestly, I didn't know that you were, you grew up in Jamaica. Yes. Born in Jamaica and left, migrated uh, at the age of, uh, at 10 was wow. when we came to Canada, to Toronto. And you were saying that your mother had, again, in the, the TED Talk, your mother had worked in order to support the family. That's right. And give you an education. That's right. So mom came from Jamaica prior to us coming. And so we were left behind with uncles and aunts and cousins, that type of thing. Yeah. And she came in pursuit of becoming a nurse. So she went to school and she worked and achieved that goal. And um, then she sent for us and then we came. Um, and uh, yeah, the journey began there with regards to meeting key people besides my mother, watching her work ethics and how she went about right. accomplishing her goals. Um, to football, you know, David Fennell was one of my first fo professional football players I met. Uh, they used to call him Dr. Death. Yeah. Edmonton yeah, yeah. I know and that. I remember going to a, this Christian function and him, you know, 
huge presence on stage at the time. And I think I was probably 13 at that time, 12, 13 at that time. And I remember him saying, anything you want to do in life, you got to breathe it, you got to eat it, you got to sleep it, whether you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a football player. And as a young, impressionable kid, I'm just sitting there looking at it. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. And I just, I just thought it was him just talking to me. And I took those words, again, those words, I took those and I breathed and I ate and I slept football because yeah. I want to be, that's what I want to do. And that's what got me... Um, going and gave me hope and gave me a goal just David Fennell those words and then there's been many since David Fennell like my high school football coach you now, know you in Ontario you in went Ontario to... yeah I went to school I went to uh well my high school was A.Y. Jackson secondary school right. in North York Ontario but you know Ralph Colucci was my football coach there and coach Colucci God bless his soul he's he's passed on but he was another tough mentor, and he was all action, you know what I mean? And he poured into me, and I remember him telling me, you know, you've got work ethic, and that's going to take you farther than a lot of the guys here. Right. At the time, I wasn't all that talented. Skinny, skinny kid, right? But he goes, you, you have work ethics, and that will take you to university. I wasn't even thinking about university, but he goes, that will take you to university. You're going to outwork a lot of people. You study hard. You train hard. That's going to get you places. And I, I embodied those words again. And work ethic. I, I was out to outwork everybody and anybody. And that's part of the, the tools that I, I garnered, I gained from mentors. right? The words and, and action. And, and he was also a track coach, so he was pretty tough on us as football players. You know, we had hills. We had banks that we used to run. Yeah. And, oh my goodness, work ethic. So, your grade 12 year, you yes. must have done had an outstanding grade 12 year, and then Simon Fraser University. Yes. Which played, at the time, in the, the N Conference. NAIA. NAIA. Right. That's so, you right. played, again, you played American schools. American schools, yes. So, yes. the competition was a lot, was 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 quite a bit more difficult than absolutely. some of the Canadian universities. Absolutely. At that yeah. time, it definitely was. Now, that, there's an interesting story there, too. So... When I came to when I came out from Ontario um, to go to attend SFU, I came out in '83. But my first choice wasn't SFU. SFU had shown some interest in me. Coach Preston recruiting me because I played in the All Star game in Toronto. But my mind was set on going to an American school, so I didn't get into any American schools. Grades were an issue at the time, um, and just not knowing who I was, you know, who's this guy. Um, and back then, you didn't have internet, you didn't have any of that type right. of stuff, for, you know, recording yeah. and all that. So I was just showing up or I was just sending tapes or people were, you know, word of mouth. But I was going to go to Santa Ana Junior College first. That was the plan. Go to in California. And then from there, I was going to try and get on to a, a bigger school. But it was last minute where a couple of my buddies from Toronto were coming to SFU. They were also recruited. And they're just like, you know, Oli, we think you should come out. You know, we're all going to SFU. We're going to play American ball. You should come out. But I was already slated to go to Santa Ana Junior College. And it was the last minute I changed my mind. Oh, wow. You know, a great man once said, opportunities don't knock. They whisper. And I tell you, that was what set me on my trajectory to SFU and, and, and being at SFU and having the career I did at SFU and getting drafted. It was a last minute thing. Something just, you should go. 
Wow, because yeah. you had quite the career yeah. at SFU, yes. right? Yes, and like, who knows, right? Who knows? But yeah, so that and that was that's you know was very impactful there, and and that came from guys my age, you know, friends um, that I met during the All Star um, game or I'd known throughout the city who played football yes. that were doing well, and yeah, I just switched and. Wow. The journey began at SFU. Well, I mean, you had, as a game, as I said before, you had an incredible career. And then 1988, 88. first player taken in the CFL draft. Yes, sir. You're a rookie, yeah. and you get drafted by the Ottawa Rough Riders. Riders. Back then, <laughs> there's only nine teams in the CFL, and two, two are called the Rough Riders. One's the Rough Riders, and one's Rough Riders. Riders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, my God. And, but you know what's, what's equally as funny? I still can't associate Ottawa with the name Red Blacks, and it's a cool name, yeah, right? Yeah, but it's but to me, it's the Rough Riders, Rough Riders right? Yeah. So you get drafted first overall, and uh, you end up leading the league... In, in yardage as a running back, a yes. Canadian running back, yes. which is unheard of. And at yes. that time, we were doing yes. some stats here, only uh, four other Canadians had led the league in rushing yes. as yes. a Canadian running back. And you ended up you ended up getting Rookie of the Year yes. as well. Yes, I was blessed to, to get those, those accolades and most outstanding Canadian. I think I was runner-up for that. So that year, there was a lot of um, awards and a lot of recognition for some of the work that I, that, that I put in and that... You know, um, I was fortunate to get the opportunity because, as you said, you know, as you said um, back then, Canadians Canadians um, didn't play running back. They didn't start at running back. You played it, but you never started. They it was more of the Canadian would be the fullback, right? And somehow, some way, you know, I was blessed. I got the opportunity to go out there and perform, <coughs> and you know, things things worked out reasonably well. Um, it wasn't easy because, you know, it was always, there was always that Canadian, this Canadian running back. And I remember some coaches going, we didn't think, we didn't, you don't run like a Canadian. Somebody, coaches literally used to say that, yeah. American coaches, you don't run like a Canadian. You sure you're Canadian? <laughs> I was like, I'm an athlete coach. I'm an athlete. I was born in Jamaica, grew up here, learned my craft in Canada, but I consider myself an athlete. Uh, and throughout my entire career, there was always that stigma that Canadians can't start at running back. So, for some of our friends down south that are listening, and yes. you may, they may well be aware of the yes. CFL, we actually have a ratio, and I'm, I can't even tell you what the ratio is now, but so there's imports. So, because they call it the Canadian Football League, each CFL team has to have a certain portion of Canadians yes. in the league, as well as Americans. Now. Because of the competition down south, population, more football, That's right. often you'll have football, more athletes, absolutely. more skilled athletes. I absolutely. hate to say it, but it's, 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 it's true. It's it is the truth. truth. And so usually in some of the skilled positions, like running back, yeah. receivers, yes. we have great Canadian receivers, but they'll also try and lend its way to the, the U.S. That's right. players that are That's coming right. to Canada. That's right. So here's a Canadian kid playing football in Canada, although you're playing American schools. That's right. And it's unheard of yes. by some of the coaches, coaches. right? That's correct. Yes. I like your response. I'm an athlete first. Yes, yes, yes. So you had a great first season. Yes, yes. How did second season go on? Second season, uh, there was a lot of turmoil in Ottawa. I recall coaches getting fired and, you know, players, you know, yeah. revolving, revolving door. And second season began. We had new coaching staff, new uh, system. Um, it went from uh, predominantly running to more 
um, you know, more balance, well, more of a passing, passing yes. uh, system. And I remember coaches saying, you know, uh, we're not going to run the ball as much this year. Um, you know, some quarterbacks would say the only time you're going to run it is after you catch it <laughs> because it was more of that type of system, right? right. And it's the CFL. It's the, C- the CFL was, was, was known for being a, a passing league. Yeah, three right? downs. Yeah. So, um, you know, it went decent. It wasn't as uh, successful as my first season. Uh, but I think Damon Allen had come in from Edmonton. The whole system from Edmonton came to Ottawa. Right. A lot of the Edmonton players... That's what happened, right? So, as I said, it wasn't as successful, but it was still fun. Um, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, there was a lot of shuffling going on. And I remember um, you could see now where the coach's mentality was we need to get an American running back in yeah. because of the ratio that you alluded yes. to. You know, what we can do on defense is dictated to who we personnel we have on offense. So, that started to play a role in my, you know, my career in Ottawa. And obviously, as a young guy at the time, I started to get frustrated. Like, we led the league in rushing. We did these great things. My offensive linemen are like, hey, let's, let, you got to go the talk ball. to the coach. Let's run the ball. So I was a sacrificial lamb. They said, well, why don't you? Because, you know, you led the league. You're, you know, what have you. You've got Rookie a game here. here. So maybe here. you can go and talk to coach and say, hey, coach, you know, we should probably, why can't we go back to running the ball a little bit more? Because, you know, we had success. And I'll never forget walking into the office and, you know, having this meeting with Coach. Coach looked at me and he says, son, just play your role. And I said, okay. And that was it. Um, that, I believe, started a little friction, I have to say, because who are you, you know, questioning things? My offensive lineman told me to come in and ask you. <laughs> but, you know, that happened then. That stigma again, as Canadians are supposed to be fullbacks, not tailbacks, um, that started to play. So I got frustrated and I was like, well, coach, if I'm not going to be able to contribute to the team, then might as well just trade me. Like, why Why am I going to yeah. sit here and not, not even, you know what I mean? So that started to happen. And that, I believe, caused some friction a little bit. Like, you know, maybe I was overstepping my boundaries. I learned from it, right? Um and I basically said I need to be traded, and I ended up going to the other Rough Riders, Riders Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that was to answer the question. My second, my second year. So was it your? Was it? Did you get traded to Saskatchewan? Yeah, so I got traded to Saskatchewan. Would that be your third year then? That was yeah. That was my second. My no, it was during yeah, the second yeah, year. Yeah, during the second year. Yeah, yeah, during the second year. I re- finally. You know what? Yeah. I I remember that trade. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I was in shock because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, how do you trade mm-hmm. rookie of the year yeah. in you know his second year? Yes, it's yes. sort of like a, yes, I couldn't yeah. figure it out. Like yeah, what well, team would do that? Well, the Ottawa, the, the fans in Ottawa were really becoming very um, boisterous, boisterous, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> very vocal about well, why aren't you running the ball? And then me going, well, you might as well trade me and. So there was a little bit of a division in Ottawa. I remember, like fans were pretty upset. But the right? team wasn't doing well, and we weren't doing well because Coach uh, Goldman at the time he had brought in his his guys, his group, and wanted to set the new precedence, which was being more of a passing uh, team. And we got totally away from the run. Um, we were carrying the ball four or five times a game. Yeah. As a running back, you know, Coach, you got to get into the groove. You're not going to get into the groove just handling the ball four or five times a game. So that became frustrating. And as somebody that, 
you know, I pride myself on working hard and, and, and you know, training hard to, to you know, uh, be successful, you know, it, it took a toll on me and I just said, you know, well, you might as well just train the coach and that became the big thing. And then it happened and then I went on to Saskatchewan and, you know, picked things up a little bit there. You did, um, I mean, you did well. You went to Saskatchewan mm -hmm. and then you got injured. Then I got injured and this was another what year. Story. What year was that? So that was like 91. It's three years, yeah. Stepped three years into a sprinkler hole. I, was, I remember backing up to catch a punt and caught it and took a step and because of the sprinkler back in the day they had the sprinkler yeah, field thinking, yeah I remember I that I stepped into the hole and the surface being you know uneven and something happened and next I just heard this pop that was the patella tendon and it was on the ground and the tendon was up here halfway up in my thigh and I remember the trainer running over and looking and he just turned pale he's like Oh, that's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, that's not a good yeah, thing. No, no. But that's not a good by thing. the grace of God, I was able to train and come back. Um, I think it was like that season was maybe halfway through the season I came back, and then I was doing punt returns, kickoff returns, spot duty on offense, and things started to go again. Go again. And then coaches got fired, new staff. Coach it's Gregory always, got fired, and things new people and things change. Right. It all depends. It's we and again we were talking off off mic, but. It, it, it often depends on the coaches that you have yeah, and being in the right place at the, at the right, right time. right time Or in, season. I think in my case too, sometimes being in the wrong place at the wrong <laughs> time. My, my short yeah. career. But yeah. no, so from Saskatchewan, you ended up going to and Hamilton? Then, yeah, that's Coach Gregory, who was the coach at Saskatchewan. He When he got fired, he went to Hamilton. And um, I was just like, man, here we go again. And I and I coach Don what's his name? Uh, coach Don Matthews was a now yeah. the coach in Saskatchewan. And he had his people, he had his system, and here we go again. This whole Canadian thing started to raise its head. Right. And um, I said, I'm not reporting to camp because he, at the time they wanted me to take like a 30% pay cut or something like that. They go, well, we can't have you making more money than the starter. They, like, <laughs> they want to renegotiate your contract? Yes, yes. And I says, no. So I said, I'm not reporting to camp. And I didn't go. And they put me on the suspension list or whatever list it was at the time. And then Coach Gregory being in Hamilton saw... And he called and picked me up. Yeah, I wonder if that's even legal. Like when you think yeah, about it oh, now, so you sign a contract, contract yes. and then they say to you, yeah. we want you to renegotiate yes. and we want to reduce. reduce it. And then when you go, well, that doesn't seem so, equitable. And you go, I I'm not coming. And then they suspend then, you. Yeah, they put like, me on how, the suspension list. Yeah. At the time, too, being young and not really understanding the nuances of the league, I didn't really have somebody that took me aside. I had a, I had a, agent but the agent wasn't a very good agent so i was gonna we say got rid of the agent so i was now on my own kind of trying to figure things out yes and i didn't know anything so there's a lot of things that i probably um could have done that would have put me in a better uh, situation that i didn't i just didn't know um i just thought okay well i'm just gonna do this on my own type of thing right so yeah um, when you're young, you know how it is, right? So and, you went to yeah. Hamilton with Coach. So I went to Hamilton with Coach Gregory, who was a real players' coach, wasn't he? Oh, Didn't they call coach. him Papa, wasn't that? Yeah, the... yeah. Well, he was. He was. You're. You're right. He was a players' coach, um, and he came down to your level, and he worked with you, right? And he imparted 
knowledge in you, you know, not just football stuff, but yeah. life stuff. So I loved it. I loved it. Coach Gregory was amazing for me. And um, so I followed him to Hamilton and we played in Hamilton. We did okay there. And um, uh, I think he got fired. <laughs> coaches get fired. Yeah. And you move on. New coaches come in. They've got a new ideology, new system and, you know, and so on and so forth. Then, it, it, then I think I ended up going to Toronto and then got injured again in Toronto. That, that, that year it was myself, pinball, we were supposed to do the run, I think it was Mouse, was it Mouse Davis was the coach? Yeah. We were supposed to do the, we are going to do the run and shoot, it was going to be me and pinball, and a couple of days into camp, the left knee, patella tendon again, this time I'm running and I plant. This isn't good. And I hear pop, and I'm like, I know what that is, I'm a, I'm a seasoned vet now at patella tendon tears, and sure enough, the kneecap is halfway up my quads. Coaches, players run over, and it's like people. Black guys are turning white. White guys are turning paler. <laughs> heard that one. Okay. Yeah, They're yeah. looking at my knee and the, 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 like I said, the cap, the patella is right halfway up my yeah. quads. Not a good look. Not a good look. Then I came back again, and then I thought, you know what? I remember Pinball coming over to me and going, you know what? He goes, Oh Lee, God's got a plan for you. He goes, Just God's got a plan. And he just held my hand and he prayed. And I think he was the only the only guy that would come to the hospital and, you know, bring magazines and pizza, sneak them in and, you know, come every day and just, you know, wow. um, visit and talk. And But he, I remember him saying, don't worry, God's got a plan for you. Because I was number two, both knees, right? Yeah. But teleattendant, same thing. I've got to ask you, so you're the only guy. So when you're in the hospital, yeah. football coaches, like the head coach? No, nobody came. Nobody came. Pinball was always there. Pinball Clements. Pinball Clements. The yeah, legend in, yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brian Warren. Brian Warren was also. And it's interesting because looking back now, both those two guys, extremely, extremely successful as uh, pastors. Yes. And as well as, you know, football related things, you know, both of them. And I remember them praying in that moment. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. It is. Uh, yeah. You know what I find? I mean, having coached and worked with young adults, I'm certainly not, I don't have the experience you do playing professional football, but I remember when I was injured and completely unrelated to football. But uh, yeah, no head coaches no, showed up. No, it's like, move them over. Yeah. Let's get key practice going. And I think both you and I, we've worked with young adults. I think I would rather be known, not necessarily because of my win loss record, but more of the quality of my character. Absolutely, and who I am. absolutely. And I, I, that I, takes you a further and oh yeah. it goes a longer way. And that's way. good advice for any young right. adults right now. As much as you're looking at how to be a winner, that's what right. you need to do, you know, there's a, a really great saying, you can get whatever you want out of life mm -hmm. if you help enough people get what they want first. That's right. Right? That's right. And so quality of character, right? The content of your character and the quality of your character. Absolutely, coach. And when you look back, when you're looking back and you're talking about your coaches, you're talking about those coaches that you had developed relationships with. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, genuine relationship. And they really cared for you as a person, not just as an athlete or, as we like to say, piece of meat, but as a person, right? And they poured into you not just football knowledge, but life knowledge. So I'm a little bit older than you, uh, about, about six years. But, but you look you... much better than me, Coach. No, you I don't those think pipes. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a, I've got a good
good face for a podcast. <laughs> but who you are and who I am is a direct relationship. And we were talking about relationships. Those people that have mentored us. That's right. And it brings us back to the whole thing. That's right. Who, you, who you are and how you work with people is yes. a direct result of the experiences that both you and I have had. Now, let's, let's move forward. So you've retired... You said that you were trying to become an entrepreneur because yeah. that was something that you had. And then now, and we'll get into this, the Pathfinder thing in a moment. Yeah, yeah. So what happened with the entrepreneur things? You were trying different yeah, things. Yeah, I was trying all sorts of things. I was trying to broker deals because throughout football, you know, you meet all sorts of people. Yeah, high net worth people, yeah. connections. So I was always trying to, to be a broker, the, the in-between guy, the middleman, as they say, putting different people together. Um, um, to help raise money or to help, you know, do projects. And I thought this is going to be something that could replace that income that I used to make when I played Sit football, home. right? right. Um, so that was something that I tried to do. And I knew, I still know, I know a lot of people. So that to me was, at that time, in my mind, was a natural fit. Yeah, you know, you open up an office and you do deals and you make money, make commissions and life's great. But it didn't work out that way. You know, it was more like, yeah, you put people together, people that high net worth, and they make deals, and they, they make money, they get success, and they leave you stranded. <laughs> you don't get paid. Right. So I, I encountered a lot of that, being circumvented. Um, and these are people that you thought you knew or, you know, um, you met and you thought there was integrity there and you're going to do business. And no, no, it didn't work out that way. And I, and I just started trying many things. I did, you name it, Coach. I, I tried so many different things. I even had a... Um, a naturopathic clinic um, but what I did was I rented a space and I, I hired um, and Eastern medicine played a, a really big part in my life um, specifically Chinese medicine yeah so I opened up a clinic where I had I hired um, acupuncturists um, Chinese uh, medicine uh, doctors yes um, you name it and I did all the marketing, promoting, and then we'd take a 60-40, we'd do a 60-40 split, right? Yes. 60 to them, 40 for me for marketing and rent and all that sort of stuff. I was never really a businessman. I thought I was, but I just thought, I like the entrepreneur spirit. I like that drive, going and getting, working towards, you know, building something. Well, the similarity right? between being an athlete, right? That's right. Trying to be successful. That's right. Moving forward in that. That's always right. Always training. Yeah, so that's where I thought that I should be or that would suit my personality so I tried that and it just <laughs> I used to tell Ruth and a couple of my you know close circle of friends you know sometimes I eat the chicken and sometimes I eat the feathers <laughs> that's how that that's business went <laughs> that's funny you're saying that my dad says to me and my dad is 96 he goes one day chicken son he goes the next day feathers, feathers. Goes, that's right so yeah. that's how it worked out and then you know um, Pathfinders really came about in a really interesting way, it was like I was I was called, I was brought into being a mentor, being support worker for at-risk youth. Yes. Right. A couple of my buddies had group homes, foster homes, and um, I just started volunteering initially, not realizing that that's where you should be. It was years after. Um, I remember just this one young man I worked with, and he had the reputation of being one of the uh, notorious. Uh, thieves in Vancouver, car thieves in Vancouver, and this is the first experience I worked with him and discovered that the young man um, had a passion for aquariums and, 
and knew everything about fish. So I tapped into that and just started exposing him to more aquariums. His room was just like filled with the cribs and they got bigger and bigger and bigger and wow. it just overtook his room. The kid stopped stealing cars, stopped hanging out, and all he kept doing was, when are we going to go buy another fish? When are we going to go <laughs> buy another aquarium? And he started just staying home. And he was in heaven just sitting in his room watching the fish and he'd research. He knew everything about every fish in the aquarium. And I realized that's, that's the passion. That's his passion. So I used that as bait, basically. That's a good term yes. with bait. Use it as bait. Fish and yeah, that's and good. the guy stopped stealing cars. I was getting calls from MCFD, which is the Ministry of Children and Family here. What's going on? Are you okay? Is he okay? Like, we haven't had any reports on him because usually in the past, he was just report after report. He stole a car. He went on a high-speed chase. He's doing this. He's doing that. All negative stuff. Now it's changed to him. Not a word. He's in his sanctuary. He's in his heaven, man, with his aquariums and fish. And he's just watching them. And he had them. They're, they're all named. And so you find someone's passion and you feed them. Life-changing. So it's, you know what, I, I'm not going to correct you, but it's not as much about the fish. It's about your connection with that young man and your ability to develop a relationship with that man that made the difference. And so what you're doing in your organization, because you're so good at it, you're trying to find connections with some of these young adults Absolutely. who've got challenges, Absolutely. developing those relationships and trying to make them become the best version of themselves that That's they can. It. That's it, Coach, yes. That's amazing yes. what you've been doing. Yes. So talk about where you are now mm -hmm. and what your organization is doing because we talked about a coffee oh, shop. We oh talked man. about so go ahead. Yeah, give there's, me there's so, lots, there's lots. So now as it stands, uh, Pathfinder Youth Center Society, we have um, a location in Maple Ridge. Um, we have a location in Surrey. Um, and we also have uh, a coffee shop that was donated to us by uh, uh, Dan Rumi, who's a, a politician in Maple Ridge, and he was looking for an organization when he went off to Ottawa now as a politician to uh, to um, to donate it to, and we came up, and I remember having a phone call from him, and we sat down, and next thing you know, we've got this coffee shop. It was a for-profit shop that he ran before he was into politics, and we took it, we converted it into a... a it's called Being Around Books. We converted it into a platform to train youth on how to become baristas, how to own and operate their own business. That is so cool. Skills. So that's what we're presenting. That's amazing. With that, right? With the coffee shop. Then we have a location, another location in Maple Ridge where it's um, more job training, um, getting uh, youth prepared for entry-level work. Um, and you've got people that are... Correct. We have staff facilitators and we have coordinators and it's an entire program that is funded more by the federal government of Canada. Um, so that that's key. That's a key program. And then we wrap everything with that mentorship piece that we've been talking about. Right. Um, our phones don't go off. You know, it's 24 seven. A young person is in distress anywhere, anytime. Someone will answer. Right, that's part of what we wow. offer at Pathfinders, right? So these programs that you got yes. set up for the kids, do the kids have to pay for any of those programs? No, so on the contrary, the kids get paid a stipend to be involved. It's like a um, work and learn 
type of scenario. Yeah. So they get paid a minimum wage to come in and to learn, for example, the hospitality industry. They get all their certifications, host, super host, servant at right, world host, all that stuff, cash handling. <clears throat> you know, they get all the ins and outs on, on, on that particular uh, job. Um, and, and then we place them because yes. we have connections throughout the community and different employers that will hire the students. So they go off and they do a three month, you know, a practicum or, uh, you know, they have an opportunity to work. And then after that, if they fare well at the job, the employer would then hire them and pay them themselves. But while they're working and studying with us, they're getting paid, um, a stipend we call it or minimum wage um, to be there and then uh, if they they perform whether it be at Home Depot or wherever we place them then Home Depot after that three months probation will then pay them you know their rightful wage so that's a really really good program as well so we've got two two look one in Maple Ridge one in Surrey we do that and we also have a program called PATH 2 which helps uh, college and university students who may have some barriers. A lot of people don't realize that there's so much uh, anxiety and mental health yes. and things of that nature yes. that everyone's going through that you could have the, the degree, the background, but because of those conditions, you you may get a job and you, you, get, you get fired right away. Yeah. So we have a program that addresses that demographics as well. So do you have, do you have psychologists? Uh, we have, yeah, we have counselors as well. And um, like I said, the mentorship piece, sometimes it's just a little, there's something that's something small that's missing. Yes. And if you can identify it, correct it, or get, give them some tools to deal with it, then go on and become successful. So how do you get all the funding for this? Because obviously there's a yeah, cost associated with Yeah, well, with there's uh, federal government funding, and then we do a yearly uh, fundraiser ourselves. Back in the past, we used to do an all-white um, attire you know, uh, fundraiser in the vineyard. I believe, yeah. Coach, you yeah, I've been there blessed a us times. with your presence yeah. a couple of times when you had the opportunity to. Um, so we raised money through that avenue, through some different companies locally, um, like the Home Depot. Home Depots, they, you know, there's funding there. Some of the banks, RBC, TD, um, a few of those banks. Um, there's proposals, there's calls for proposals. You write proposals, funding can come in in, 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 in that manner as well. But... Um, it's a grind. It's twenty four seven. My wife Ruth, God bless her. She's always, always <laughs> right now as we speak. She's probably at home writing a proposal, you know, for funding. So that's how the majority of the money uh, gets to us. Now, what we've just created recently, and I have to say, this was student led, youth led, is a last year. This is during COVID. We they decided why don't we have a fundraiser where students challenge admin in different games right so we call it the, at that time last year was pathfinder charity games is what we we, we call it yes. that was the name so we had a series of events where we competed against the students for points and at the end you were the winner right depending on the points that you accumulate and after last year and the success that we had in during covid we thought you know let's let's take this a step further so what we've done now is we've reached out to the community and we've brought on board different organizations, different charities in our community as, as, and we're utilizing Pathfinder as the platform 
to compete against all these different charities. So we're raising money amongst ourselves as charities. And we're also now um, marketing and, 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 and exposing what we do as different charities throughout the community, right? And we think that it's, it's a strength in working together. Yes. Right. That's what that's all about. And it's all about just, you know, we're going through this whole COVID thing is 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 having some fun, competing, raising money, raising the awareness of what you're doing in the organizations. There's lots of times as we were talking, you know, off mic here about uh, Covenant House. Right. Yes. Um, Covenant House does an amazing job with their with their housing. So there's times where we have youth that are transient and if we find out that they're in Vancouver or wherever we refer them to Covenant House so it's about organizations not necessarily competing for the dollars although we're going to compete to raise dollars yes but we're now um, trying to work with each other right if we have strengths Pathfinders has strengths Covenant House has strengths why not share you know if you don't know how to to say, or if your forte is in job readiness and you know all that sort of stuff, pass it on to the organization that that that's their forte. Yeah. So we're trying to nurture that sort of mentality as opposed to everybody's doing their own thing and everybody's guarding their contacts and let's open this thing up, right? And let's work um, as a community to help raise the next generation and the leaders of tomorrow because that's what these young ones are, right? People see it as a donation like you'll ask for donations yes, yes. and i get i'm gonna say it's more of an investment oh absolutely it is an investment because i tell you what the price of incarceration of a youth as opposed to um training that youth um in a entry-level job <laughs> you know where i'm going with that i know exactly right? where you're so it's an investment into the future into that life it's an investment in in our country Really, when you really sit down and you take a look at it, dollars and cents, and you break oh, things down. absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It makes right? too much sense. Oh, yes. And, and sometimes yes. people don't look at it that way. They no, go, they all right, so, you know, if we're, we're giving money here, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, you're not giving, you're investing. Investing. Because if you invest in these children, and you look at it from a, just a sheer dollar value, yes. what ends up happening is they're not on social assistance. assistance. You don't have to pay for incarceration. Right. They're making a contribution back to society. Right. There goes the tax system Absolutely. because they're making, it makes too much sense. Too much sense, but right? I don't think people really break it down. And it takes, you know, people like yourself, Coach, and myself and many of our staff at Pathfinders to really raise that awareness. And that's what we're trying to do with uh, this um, Charity Summer Games um, now that we're going to have on um, the 9th of August, which is just a, a hop, skip, and a jump away. And we're going to, that's where we're raising money to help these programs that we're all running um, and to help the, the youth of our, our community. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, youth right now with this coming through this whole COVID, I hate to keep harping on it, but Man, we see it day in and day out. The stress, yes. the strain, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the uh, demoralization of, of, of people, of young ones that are going to be leaders of tomorrow. So the more we can do to help them right now is the better off this country, our country, the world will be. Yeah, definitely. And the thing that's surprising, I think, for a lot of people, you know, they may not be aware of how many young adults have been impacted by COVID. And... Even prior to COVID, how many young yes. adults 
are traumatized by events. Yes. And you, I mean, you and I got together probably about four years ago. You gave me a phone call. It was one of my former football players I hadn't seen in years. And you go, do you remember this athlete? And yes. I go, absolutely. Yes. And we got together and you said, could you meet with him? Because mm -hmm. he's going through some challenging times. And I had a relationship with him a decade ago, if yes. not more. Oh, wow. And so I yes. remember we showed up at the, yes. uh, it was a Starbucks. I think we sat down and we had a talk and wow. I'm thinking, wow, the good that you guys are doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The good that you're doing. And how many other kids yes. are out there? How many That's other right. people have it? Young adults that they've had a relationship and they've drifted away and, and they're, they've got challenges. Yeah. You guys are picking up the yeah. pieces. We're definitely trying to pick up the pieces and, and, you know, get the ones, capture the ones that fall through the cracks or falling through the cracks, right? As we say, um, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. So how does somebody get a hold of your organization and make an investment make into you? So how do they, do they our, contact? Our website is uh, pathfinderyouthsociety.org. Okay. Everything is there. If you want to donate, if you want to see, get an intimate uh, insight on what we do, pathfinderyouthsociety.org. Let me make sure because, you know. Uh, you got the card right yes, there. That's good. pathfinderyouthsociety.org. The memory has not failed, Coach. That's all right. And you know what? Even, even if it has on the, uh, on the, the website, on our website, our Instagram, go to this episode and uh, I will post yes. where they can make... Uh, the investment. And yes, I like sir. that term, the investment. I really enjoy that term. Yes, I think that's what I'm going to use moving forward. Feel free to. Yes, sir. I'll feel, quote you. You can quote. I don't that's know true. if I have any value with regard to <laughs> my name attached to a quote. But for some of you that are yes. looking for a charitable investment and to, to make a difference, I can guarantee this is one of the best. Now, Orville, I, I've known you for a number of years. I've, I've coached your son. Yeah. Great family. Taught my daughter. I did. Yes. Great family, great activities, things that they're doing for kids. I can't speak enough uh, about the great stuff that you're doing. So, you know what? I want to thank you for this. Thank Wish you all the best. And once again, I will uh, post this on the Instagram site. And all the best to you. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Well, that'll be it for another episode. And I want to thank Orville once again for joining me today and talking about his football career and his organization, Pathfinders, and the good that's being done in our community for those young adults who are marginalized. And, you know, when you read the newspapers or you watch the evening news, all you really hear about are the problems that are happening out there, especially with young people. Orville and his wife, they're trying to find solutions, especially related to the challenges young adults face. Now, you may also want to check out a TED Talk that Orville gave, and the TED Talk stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design. You can find that on YouTube, and it's about mentoring. And trust me, it's worth the watch, and it's amazing. We need to have more people like Orville and his wife, Ruth. Now, if you'd like to know more about his organization, Pathfinders, and, and even possibly donate, I'll leave all his contact information on my Instagram episode notes. So thank you once again for tuning in. And hey, there's only four more episodes until our 100th extravaganza episode, which honestly, you don't want to miss. And it's going to be amazing. So until next week, this is Dave Rizicki with Nathan Rivers. Please take care, be well, and as always, peace. Peace.